0: Well, hey, thanks for joining us. Uh, we are testing this thing via Zoom, uh, making improvements as we go, spending massive amounts of our lives uh, just doing stupid mic checks and things like that. But uh, the results are sweet. The results are sweet. I mean, look at this. Look at this, man. I feel like I'm with you in the room. It's great. Um, now, Chris, are you ready for the jingle?
1: I am. Let's do this. All right. Um,
0: Here we go. You've been faking it the whole time.
1: No, I heard it the last time. (laughs)
0: I thought you were looking a little bit melancholy about that song. I mean, like usually that brings about extreme levels of joy and, that's uh, right. <laughs> you just sort of blandly like controllable
1: body movements. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um,
0: Oh man. Okay. So I obviously tweaked something to get you off my channel and sent everything off the channel at the same time. So sorry about that, man. But, uh, no one day you won't have to fake it. That's the good news. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, how you been doing, brother?
1: Good, good. Um, staying busy, that's for sure. For how sure, have you, been? you guys up and running in Glory Cloud? Yes, um, let's see. I think we just recorded episode 154 the other day, so cool, going well.
0: Yeah, nice. Well, um, you haven't looked at Job right on Glory Cloud at all.
1: No, we have not
0: because it's a that's what we want to do this morning or today or wherever it is for you. Um, you can see on the iPad there it's the Wycliffe commentary. Yes. Um when 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 did he do this? This is uh for um for those who don't know, um just Klein's commentary on Job. I mean the Wycliffe Bible commentary. I don't even have that. Um what is that? When was it? Says that?
1: Copyright nineteen sixty
0: two. Yeah, that's a that's a long time ago. I mean, I don't know. I've never even seen the Wycliffe Bible Commentary. Maybe that's a, a massive error on my part, but
1: it's just a big, thick one-volume one-volume. Cool. All
0: right, yeah. sweet. Because I mean, there's a decent level of, um, you know, for a one-volume, one it's got a nice section on Job, right? It's yes, yeah. it's, it's robust. It's uh, like what thirty pages, um, and it covers covers all the the ground there. I mean, I'm preaching on Job. On Sunday, so it's relevant for me. Oh, okay. Um, just to look at it, and I remembered that Klein had a commentary on this, and uh, so I thought, let me take a look and double up and talk to you and make sure I'm on the right track.
1: Okay, now do you have Lee Irons's sermon called Suffering and the Triumph of God?
0: I do, and that must okay. be held as I mean, is it some sort of sacrilege to say that Lee Irons is like better than Klein?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you'd definitely make lee blush if you said that
0: that's for sure <laughs> i mean it's just yeah it's sort of you get through the commentary i mean Klein's commentary is typical it's a lot it's kind of a weird thing to read him like this because it's you can tell it's been like edited or something and yep. you know it's just very generic in some ways and yet obviously you have you have a lot of his influence i mean his you know thing comes through and um and you know it's sort of Two things dawned on me when I was reading it. I was like, you know, when we're reading these one-volume commentaries, um, these little sections or in study Bibles, it's worth worth keeping in mind that the people writing those commentaries are not generic theologians. They're not just all this stock standard cookie-cut um you know, they have all got something going on. They've got got some angle going on. And um and you know, it's probably a good thing to know about that at some level. Um, because certainly someone coming in with um Klein, although it's been it's been taken back a lot, you could see probably if he was gonna just run with this on his own article or something, he would he would probably have deepened some themes. But um you know, you still got a lot of stuff there that you can pick up on knowing that it's Klein and a lot of gotcha. insights that you, good good sort of tips, I suppose, that you could then go back to a Kingdom Prologue and, and see that deepened out and see how that intersects with Job. So it's enough, enough to do that. Um, and, uh, and so that was the one thing I was thinking. The other thing is just that, um, you know, it's almost like he switched channels. I don't know how much of this is edited, but it just, he's got like a whole different writing style going on. There's hardly any hyphenations. I was like, fine. <laughs> we're the hyphenations. It's compromise. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm sure an editor, uh, did a lot of work on this.
0: Yeah. So interesting, interesting look. And then of course it's early as well. Right. Um, early ish. And so, I mean, there are a few comments here where I'm wondering where he is in the journey, you know, Um, he's
1: almost a decade into his teaching career at this point. Almost. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. And, uh, I'm just thinking in terms of his, um, his progression, I suppose you, you and Andre spoke about the, the Sabbath progression the other day. Um, you've got Mosaic republication sort of things that have happened. And when when the big, the big bonds and controversy was already on at that point, right?
1: Well, I think, Bonson was studying at Westminster in Philadelphia, developing theonomy in the 70s. So oh, true. Have, so if he was going to be critical of theonomy, it would have been a, somebody like Rush Dooney at this point.
0: Right, okay. Yeah, so not quite at that crisis point yet, at right. least we could say. Um, and maybe it's me just reading into it, but um, it feels like that came through a little bit. Maybe some, some, um, some comments could have been sharper you know, um, and probably he would have gone for the jugular a little bit more quickly uh, on some of, you know, Job's friends' comments and, you know, in theocracy, out of theocracy. Uh, you know, it's it's quite amazing. I mean, Job, it's a great book, isn't it, for for Kleinian thought. You've got so yes. much going on there, so many different angles to look at. Um, yeah, you've got the pilgrim or well, altar-oriented people of God prior to theocracy to think about, um, you know, with Job being a really good sort of window into that life. Um, you've got, of course, the the general covenant of works in natural law theme happening with uh, Job's friends, um, you know, and, and so much of that being paralleled in, in uh, uh, you know, obviously being read through a mosaic theocracy lens by the original year's. Um, and, and then that being different for the way we need to read it. And just, you know, it's just very rich in that regard, free, very, very difficult book. Um, you know, obviously leaving aside the normal theodicy themes and, uh, that on, on its own makes it difficult. And then of course you've got your inspiration issues where, you know, how do, how do we get this info and, you know, where did it come from and the dating? Um, and then even just, um, uh, I suppose, yeah, I mean the, the the Christological typological sort of um, things are, are a whole nother sector to look at there. And Lee Eines did a great job uh, job with that, didn't he?
1: Absolutely. I was just thinking um, that if you read Job with a something like a theonomic hermeneutic, mm. um, you're going to preach it very differently Man. than Lee's sermon. I mean, it's going to be health and wealth, right? Really,
0: it is. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of it's going to be. Um, yeah, because basically, here we have Job. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just wondering how you would even do that, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, you know, because here's Job. Here's a guy who's obviously obedient and therefore being blessed. And um, and then, he, you know, we have this ordeal thing go on, which we have insight into. Um, as a result of that, uh, he loses everything. Maybe what they would do is they would sort of, they would see this as such an anomaly Um that it, it really wouldn't normally be the case that that we would, um, you know, lose everything dis- despite our obedience in the land or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, that's the only way I could think that they would um, talk about this. Otherwise, it's just such a strong sort of case for shattering theonomy at every level unless for you right. are in a Is- Israelite theocracy at that point, you know?
1: Because, I mean, one of the major themes that, Lee just picks up on so beautifully is that God's program is victory through suffering. Yeah, um, and that's just anathema to yeah, not only theonomists but lots of other people who don't read the Bible christologically.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, the the big issue at the end. I suppose, is what Lee helped me with so much. Because let's say you go victory through suffering. It's almost like, as Lee points out, at the end, he gets this double blessing back again. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. you kind of like, doesn't that reinforce the theocracy problem? You know, in that after all said and done, here he is being blessed upon obedience again. Um, But to see that through a typological lens, um, I mean, it just makes sense. The whole book, I don't know, for me just all of a sudden comes into focus. And in fact, what it what it has done just on a completely different track I don't know if Ayns or um, or Klein touch on this but but what I found with with uh, just on a pastoral note I suppose when people are going through suffering um, they look at this book and wh- what I liked about what Klein says up front in the article is that it's really not primarily about why the righteous suffer um, it's really more about you know a wisdom literature theme how to gain true wisdom which i think is something Mm. interesting i want to come back to but you know what happens is you know people go to the book perhaps because this is the book people have been drilled in you know it's been drilled into their minds that this is where where you have to go and they see themselves in job's role um in, in really a way that might be a little bit i don't know overestimated or inflated or uh as if as if they've come into that suffering in the same way job would have um It's almost like we're almost inevitably never going to be as blameless and filled with integrity as Job is. He's singular in that sense in in the story of scripture. And the only one really to compare him with uh, is Christ who, Mm. who, who just, you know, endures everything perfectly. Um, And so I feel like pastorally, I sometimes have to rip people out of a bit of a martyr complex, if that's the right word. Um, Like, but I'm like Job, you know, at the moment, and I'm going through this suffering and, uh, you know, I need to. I need to make the statements that Job made. Like, uh, you know, if he slays me, yet will I worship him? You know, and my instinct is to just simply say to them, you know, sometimes God has not slayed you. They haven't come close to doing what he did to Job to begin with. So the the I, the trial that you're going through is it's almost just a it's irreverent on its own to compare yourself to Job at that level. Um, whereas it doesn't feel that way for me to compare christ to job at that level because i mean he you know he did go through a, a massive ordeal uh disconnected to his sin and it was just in every way intended to be a probationary crisis for him and uh and he didn't fail and so it's just for me it just that shifting of the focus back to Christ helps, helps me pastorally to pull people out of a hole that they sometimes dig themselves into uh, by putting them mm. back on. Hey, you realize this whole thing is about Jesus ultimately and uh, not about you. Yeah,
1: Exactly. And I think that the way Lee really starts out by pointing out that it's God who picks the fight. Yeah. Um, for some reason, Growing up, I always conceived of this as Satan approaching God and saying, hey, why don't you let me torture your servant Job? Um, <laughs> yeah. But Lee completely shattered that for yeah. me and said, no, this yeah. is God who approaches Satan and said, have you considered my servant Job? Why don't you give him your best shot? Hmm. And um, it was precisely... So um, this... Sorry, minor, minor technical difficulty on my end there. Um, <laughs> uh, so, I mean, that, that helps to break us out of viewing Job as being about us. Mm. And it's interesting, I can just say personally, um, Tiffany and I, my wife and I, heard Lee deliver this in wow. a, a chapel at Westminster, um, a chapel session, and it was before we went through Uh, a major episode of suffering in our own lives. And it was really helpful for Tiffany to be able to say, okay, so what's happening is not primarily about us. This is God using our suffering to defeat our our enemy, the devil.
0: (laughs) Yes. Well, there's that as well, you know, and that's what I love. So it's almost like three levels. I'm thinking about you. You get, at one level, you're just thinking about maybe a theodicy issue. Why? Why does anyone suffer? Why is you know how can God be good and yet we suffer? And just just the general encouragement necessary from the Scripture to be able to get through something like that. The sovereignty of God is always a helpful angle there, and just something to hold on to. And all of that is in Job at some level, but it's almost what we're just saying here is where is the primary focus? Um, then may, maybe it's even fair to say that you know the the typological theme of is not primary you know it's it's perhaps you know coming through at a, a secondary level maybe it's fair to say that i don't know um but one of the things that you just touched on right now that lee brings uh, and the client does bring out in this article and that lee brings out as well is almost that that this issue of what happens in the regenerate Um, you know when this when this you know I love the way Klein talks about it. I haven't got it in front of me right now, but but uh you know the whole sort of cosmos hangs in in the balance here. In that you know you've got if the if if God is unable to sustain someone who has fallen in his regenerate perseverance, then really Satan wins ultimately anyway. Um, even if uh you know even once the work of Christ has taken place, so it's it's kind of uh, it's something that is very focused on the work of Christ in and through us, all the way to the end, uh, not just on, on on a picture of Christ that, that is yet to come. Yeah, from that perspective, does that make sense?
1: Yeah, that's great.
0: Yeah, so I mean, it's just a uh, very rich just even thinking about it at that level. I mean, you've got three things to that you could all you could legitimately focus in on when looking at the Book of Job, um, and all three of those avenues are going to take you to amazing. Amazing sort of uh, riches in thinking about the book, but um, I think the thing that just I've, I can't help but feel the thing that is most underdeveloped is um, that that probationary crisis. I mean, just think how profound it is. You know, uh, as you say, God God picks the fight. God begins. God sets it up for the covenant of works. You know, uh, if you mm. think back on, in Eden. Um, it's, it's not that, you know, Satan happened to get in the garden without God knowing to begin with that, you know, God had no idea that Satan was going to like transform into a serpent and (laughs) whatever it is, and just sneak his way in there and mess the whole thing up. The whole thing is ordained by God. It's a probationary trial. There it is. Uh, That's corresponding year. God picks the fight. Um, uh, it's different in the sense that you have uh, Adam in his state of righteousness, or original innocence at least, and and, um, and it's significant though, as Klein points out, that even what's so powerful about that parallel is that even though, uh, though Job is fallen at that point, um, he is yet able to do more as a fallen man than Adam was in his original state due to God's grace upon him. Um isn't that amazing? So it's it's it almost really like is. as much as Christ it's amazing, of course, that Christ would be the the perfect um the perfect Adam, the one who would um undergo that trial and, and succeed. Uh, again, you're seeing that sort of overspill into God's people, not only by way of suffering, but by way of perseverance. It's just an amazing double up of that theme all the way through. Man, I feel like I'm getting a little esoteric. I promise you, I've only had coffee this morning. But uh I still feel I feel like I'm, I've gotten real deep. It's real deep. This is deep.
1: Well, I mean, God, God is using Adam and Job in different ways as well. Yeah. Um, and sometimes um, types in the Old Testament point f- forward in the sense of uh, this is the opposite of what uh, Christ is going to be. Right. Um, and I mean, there's a little bit of that in Adam. Uh, I mean, yes, he was our first representative, but... Um, we can certainly look at what he did and the outcome and say, that's not our savior (laughs) Mm -hmm. because the the new Testament tells us what the last Adam is really like. Um, but in Job, it's completely different. It's, um, although he's fallen and imperfect, Mm -hmm. um, we certainly get a strong dose of, um, victory through suffering and, uh, and yet, uh, the undercurrent of, rewarding righteousness as well.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, hey, let's quickly um, just, bef- I want to kind of keep that on the back burner because I think hopefully um, I highlighted a few things in, um, in this commentary and hopefully we'll find our way back there before we have to end the podcast, before Zoom goes all buggy on me. And <laughs> so that's around the 40 minute mark. So we got we to gotta hop skedaddle and get there. But um, he basically, one, one thing I love about the way Klein opens up this whole idea in Job is that he said, I think I mentioned to you before we started recording, um, he he speaks about the whole thing as if, um, you know, uh, let me get his exact wording here. Um, within the canon, I'm on page one, by the way, or oh, it'd be page four, five, nine in the actual commentary. Uh, within the canon of the Old Testament scripture, the distinctive contribution of the wisdom books is that they expound the relevance of the foundational covenant revelation through Moses to... Uh, the great issues of man's life in this world more specifically of man's life apart from the peculiarity uh, or sorry the peculiarly theocratic context of Israelite history Um, now I find that super helpful in fact that reminds me of of Van Drunen's whole thing on Proverbs I don't know if you've seen that but I just found that mind-bendingly good in that yeah you have a lot of law a lot of everything given in a mosaic theocratic context and um you know, obviously, we have to you know, work hard to make sure that we're not misapplying that, and constantly keeping that covenantal context in mind. It's almost like the wisdom literature has done some of that work for us. Mm. Uh, it just sort of presents all, all, all of those riches and application of the covenant uh, theocratic context um, for us, just to just to look at, and just even people at that time outside of that context. Um, and so, if you put Job in that category um immediately you've got something that becomes astoundingly relevant. You know, there's mm-hmm. something that's applicable for everyone, all times. Um and of course we know dating wise, um, I know there is a little bit of debate about this, but but I think we would agree with Klein. I'm just on Klein's side with this. I'll let him do the, the groundwork. <laughs> I think I think I feel like I trust him enough to to just go with his dating on this, which is, you know, sometime, you know, as as an actual historical figure, sometime you know, before the patriarchal period, even, um, and and then you know whether that was assimilated into the canon via some oral tradition at some point. I mean, I'll you know it's it's a thing indifferent for me. Um, and so you know, as long as we we're seeing that this is happening outside of a theocratic context, I think it becomes helpful. Um, but then he you know he talks about the whole uh, uh, the question uh, regarding da no not that one. Um, uh, Through the medium of the problem of theodicy This is the next page um, The book of Job Sounds anew the central religious demand Of the covenant It calls men to unreserved consecration To their sovereign lord Thereby it presents the church With its proper testimony To the redemptive revelation Before the wisdom schools of this world Um, So the, The reason I find that helpful Is it's just not at all the way a commentary would typically go on this. Um, usually, you open up and within two seconds you're reading, Job shows us how we deal with suffering, you know, as, as those who don't understand what God could be up to. You know, and I've right. always found that that's a little bit of a, like, really, it doesn't really help in that regard. You know, it doesn't really <laughs> give you any insight because you have to almost conclude from that, that, you know, God is up to some major trial in in the heavenly courtrooms, for every person and I suppose you could get there somehow, you know, in that, you know, we're all going to either stand as, tr- as trophies of grace or, or um, you know, we're going to bring some level of disrepute to Christ or something like that. Um, it just never really seemed to be the major thing, you know, it, it it's almost like it doesn't answer the question that needs to be answered if that was the major thing.
1: True. So maybe I want to qualify what I said earlier, just uh, in the sense that, you have to first see how Job is pointing to Christ and how Christ is the ultimate champion who won by losing and who was rewarded for his righteousness. And so it's only by virtue of our participation in him, by our union with Christ that Mm. we then participate in that same program of victory through suffering. But it's, it's only that. It's not that God is coming to us as individuals. It's us in, union with our savior
0: right yeah because i mean if we're thinking about let's say something that happens to us uh you mentioned earlier you went through a season difficult and you know most people will be able to if you live long enough you'll uh, be able to resonate with that at some point and um and i suppose then you know you want to be able to turn to the book of job you really do you know that something in in job is is you know going to help you there um The the red herring for me is to just start going. It almost adds questions to the questions. It's sort of you know you end up going oh well you know year I thought I was just going through suffering and I just had to trust in God, but it it turns out that there might be something more going on here. Maybe I'm the 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 the. you know the focus of some sort of divine uh testing and you know and you start how does that work and it just adds complex theology to something that you don't really need at that point you just you just want to be comforted and right. i think if you see exactly what you just said there if you see that immediate parallel to christ and you just i mean you know the gospel story already if you've, if you've gone if you've gone through that covenantal ground if you've read through Klein at all you'll immediately know all right well there's a a massive um, similarity you know christ comes from glory he's tested uh, he goes back to glory we see this kind of you know obvious parallel there with job um, time of blessing time of testing time of blessing again um he doesn't let God down. He uh, stands the cause. He is the David against Goliath. It's a totally unfair match uh, in the sense that all of Satan's coming against this one guy, and yet God picks the fight. And so you've got all all the, the same things that you have in redemptive history there with Christ. So that's just immediately helpful. It gets your focus off of you, gets your focus onto the gospel. And then within that basic context, as you just said, um, you start thinking, okay, well, how how am I like Job, um, you know, as a believer who finds his his primary uh, comfort in the fact that Christ has won this for me already? And I think that's where Klein's insight in this article comes into play, where he's like, you know, you're, and this is kind of what I was trying to get at earlier, in that you're persevering under any trial, you know, uh, of any sort really, uh, will only Happen. It will only be successful because of the same grace that God has um, given you to, be, to become a follower of Christ to begin with, to, be, to become born again to begin with. So the grace that Christ earned for you <clears throat> in and, through, in and through His work um, is now on display in your trial um, and is able to withstand um, you know, even the worst sort of situation. Um, If you know, you will persevere to the end, is the idea essentially, and you'll be a trophy of his grace.
1: Amen. Uh, It's been a while since I've read Lee's sermon text, but uh, uh, tell me if I'm misremembering this. It seems like he said something like, Our suffering becomes yet another nail in Satan's coffin. Yeah. Something to that effect.
0: Right. And that I think is directly glued to what Klein's saying in this article as well. It seems like that's the big Kleinian sort of insight here in that that mm-hmm. Lee would have taken through anyway, um, that, you know, you've got this, yeah, I mean, you know, as long as you see how that nail is being driven in, you know, it, not you as the primary earner of the grace, but rather the one who's displaying the grace that's been earned for you, uh, right. then it becomes an amazing thing, you know, then, you know, another thing I was thinking about, uh, just reading through this is that you've almost got those non passe, non picare categories coming through again in that, um, You know, the fourfold state of man thing, um, where, you know, you're able you're almost um before the before the fall, you're able to sin, able not to sin. Um, and then, you know, as a result of uh, of the fall, you're able only to sin. Um, and then as a result of God bestowing the saving grace upon you, um, we're again sort of able to sin, able not to sin. And then the idea is that in the in eternity we're able only not to sin. But one of the challenges that I think has been rightly brought to that paradigm is that basically, you know, it forgets the already not yet perseverance angle in that we're, though we're able to sin and not to sin in some sense, what is true of eternity, you know, is, is we're not simply brought back to our probation. Basically we're brought back to, um, something beyond what Adam was experiencing in his ability to sin and not to sin. And, um, and I think that comes through in what Klein's saying here, because, you know, you have, um, you have that demonstrated as it were, you know, uh, you, you have it put to the absolute maximum test. Um, and yet he, even in his fallen state, um, who uh, Job, who has now clearly been regenerate as a believer is able to even exceed what Adam was able to do in his state of righteousness. And so that's kind of what I was getting at earlier as mm-hmm. well. You know, you've got this, this powerful display of what is yet coming for, for the saint in person that is now already revealed in that uh, he's not simply in his probation again. God has got him. Uh, God has earned the grace for him in Christ in redemptive history and is lavishing it upon him, even in these trials, which then serve to, to every single time that happens, just add another nail to the coffin of Satan. Yeah.
1: Amen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus.
0: Hey amen yeah totally and it, that's another part actually that's exactly what I was I was gonna say that <laughs> that that's isn't it interesting that that's how both Lee and Klein pick up on this idea of that's where it leads you come quickly Lord yeah. Jesus right and that's that's the way to do it I mean at the end of the day you're not Lord please restore my blessings on this earth um you know you're exactly. you're oh. just being if anything, God's making use of the suffering theme to point you to what Job's true restoration of blessings ultimately means for us. Um, mm. So again, just a, a much richer way to look at the book of Job than is normally done. Um, a lot of deep themes there. Really the way to do it, I think, is to take uh, this this treatment of, of Klein on, on um, Job and just sort of read it against Kingdom Prologue. <laughs> you know? Mm. that that's yeah, uh yeah. that's the way to break this open i might do that on sunday
1: yeah. is your sermon gonna be put, posted online
0: yeah but don't listen to it though man it puts too much pressure on me
1: <laughs> oh okay
0: all right it's just for my church i might not post it now that i've said something about it in fact i might edit this whole thing out <laughs> it's like i don't do well under pressure like that you know just let me do my Fair thing enough. just leave me alone leave me alone and if it's cool it's cool. Whatever. You can tell me after the fact. All right. Oh, man. <laughs> Anything else about this article? Um, obviously, there are tons of things. He goes into the details of the text, which is, you know, again, like, it's actually quite a detailed commentary for 30 pages. It's amazing how much he's gotten in there. I know. So, for anyone who did, does want to get into those little interesting little bits and bobs about Job, and my goodness, there are, there are lots of those, um, Klein definitely goes there and he looks at it. Um, but, you know, I think probably for this discussion, we're more interested in those bigger bigger themes. Um, but, yeah, on t- in terms of the bigger themes, anything that comes to mind for you in terms of anything we might have uh, not mentioned yet? you?
1: Not really. I don't think this counts as a major theme. Um, I just thought of this uh, just because... On the Glory Cloud podcast, we're going through a series that we're calling Meredith Klein Applied. Yes. And um, great. Love it. The episode that we just recorded is our first one on newthetic counseling, and we're planning to do three or four on newthetic counseling. Oof. And I think it, it was at least in class if he didn't put it in writing somewhere, but I think Klein makes reference to Job's counselors as being very much like newthetic counselors.
0: And wow. So,
1: <laughs> Interesting. You would see. He would see the Book of Job as functioning as a rebuke to new Thetic counseling.
0: Yes! Wow, <laughs> I had not thought about <laughs> that. But that's so true. It's so true, man. Yeah, just a. And do you mean by that that it's almost like a, a simpl- simplistic biblicist, you know, approach? Maybe um, not allowing for. Uh, You've got your your basic sort of theological rubric that's just you're hammering in on a hurt on a difficult situation, rather than allowing for a a complexity that perhaps you don't understand or something along those lines.
1: Well, definitely that, and um, you know Jay Adams's um, just kind of default um, uh, diagnosis was uh, it doesn't matter what the counselee is coming through your door with, the problem is sin and really the prescription at the end of the day is stop right. sinning and start doing righteousness. Right. And so, I mean, that, that really does sound like Job's counselors. You, you yeah. did something wrong, obviously, yeah. which is why you're sinning. So mm-hmm. stop doing that and start doing whatever it is you're supposed to do.
0: Yeah. man, yeah, That's, that's, that's so good. Um, and then of course, I mean, one of the things we just, I mean, even, even if it's been implicit throughout everything we've said is that, and this I do think is picked up on most commentaries, which is good, although they don't have the covenantal context to back it up almost. Uh, but everyone's sort of seeing, well, um, you know, Job is uh, getting bad advice from his friends because they think that, you know, if you sin, you know, that something bad's gonna happen. <clears throat> I suppose one of the big things that happens, and I remember reading this from very early on, you know, before, way before I got into Klein. But I'm reading that and going, wait a minute, <clears throat> have you guys read Leviticus? And <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it seems that that is quite a thing, actually. I, t- I totally see, you know, not even having the dating in mind or the timeline in mind, just in terms of general content of the Old Testament, you know, it, you kind of feel like Job's friends have got a good point there. <laughs> you know, you could see how they would have arrived at that conclusion. And um, and what's interesting to me, firstly, is that, um, you know, when you see that, that this all probably happened way before the Mosaic theocracy. You have to, it's, you've got to find a way to kind of deal with that. And the only solution to that is the covenant of works, natural law thing that reformed theology provides. And then of, co- of course, Klein gives uh, lots of definition to in that, you know, that's, it would have been just an Eastern way to think about the problem. And, um, they're just doing what is on the heart of every man at some level, just to go, you know, God's going to bless you if you do good stuff and he's going to curse you if you do bad stuff, which they're not making up. They're getting from a, from something innate.
1: Exactly. I mean, Mike Horton, um, likes to say that Pelagianism is our default position. And I yeah. think that's just another way of saying what Klein would say is that that covenant of works is hardwired into our DNA. Almost. It's like, yeah, we know it. Um, primevally true and you know it's it's i I don't know how people
0: would really think to explain that otherwise you know if you haven't got that overarching sense of of continuity in the story or just how it all fits together i mean how are you going to explain that default position of the heart it's difficult um you just have to do it in very generic terms i suppose so there's that you know but then of course you have the the big kleinian you know contribution i suppose in that uh when you do look at the later theocratic republication of that covenant it then explains how even if it is true that um god was blessing israel when they did good stuff and cursing them when they did bad stuff that's not because god was you know you know, in a certain dispensation, creating another way of, of salvation, or because uh, he was confused, or because he was basically, uh, you know, showing us what true grace looks like—that's kind of mixed up with works anyway. Um, rather, that's where I mean, Klein really helps. He goes, "Yep, look at it. Don't deny it. Um, uh, don't. You don't have to really. You don't have to do flick-flacks to deny what Job's friends are saying." is in fact, the, the, the case in much of um, Israel's history. You just have to understand that, that's, that the reason why it's bad advice for Job at that point is because he's not in a theocracy, and that's why it is bad advice for us, again, outside of that theocratic context. And then I suppose even in a theocratic context, um, you know a lot of it would be corporate, not individual, right? So maybe it would still be bad advice. At some level there i don't know
1: although i mean yeah i, I you're you're right and yet um, an individual could earn themselves a stoning for certain you know breaking that's true. Laws.
0: yeah yeah so we, mm. certainly the whole thing was a bit more amenable to yeah you, you were you were um that it was a bit more plausible as some advice <laughs> You know, but now we just <laughs> right. we have a covenantal way to really, uh, you know, uh, make sure that we're uh, distinguishing that properly, and um, and then and then once you got that down, then you go to the normal commentaries, just the average evangelical commentary where where they would typically say things like, well, you know, you got to remember that. You know, God does allow suffering. Sometimes it's discipline. Sometimes it's just providential. Sometimes he's, you know, and all those those general truths that we know anyway, uh, which, you know, I'll leave the listeners to go and look at for themselves. But, um, you know, just that stuff then is usually true enough, but it just gets brought into focus at that point. And it might not even be what, what Job has in mind primarily. Um, but, yeah, there we go. So if you do, where did I get this? Um so th- this uh, is it on the meredithkline.com website. The, yeah. the commentary is it on there? Okay, perfect. Um, so, as is our normal situation or normal practice, we won't link to that in the show notes. That's way <laughs> too much trouble. Uh, and plus, you got freaking Google. Just just get on Google and do it yourself. Lazy, and um, and you know, read it. Read it. It's great. Um, if you go to GraceNet. Read this, because this will come in handy on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there we go. There's another little installment of Klein for you.
1: That was great. I think, great. I think we nailed discussion.
0: every possible angle there. I think we unlocked the mysteries of the universe again.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> right.
0: I think we do a good job here, Chris. We're doing good work.
1: <laughs> I always enjoy talking with you, Mike.
0: Yeah, man. Good. Well, thanks for joining us. We're coming to the end of my my Zoom Uh, Trial license, so forty minutes. Um, Stay with us this week. We're back up and running. Um, Did I give the little thing about Jeremy Casella, Chris? Did I do that? I didn't do that. All right, hang on. This is this is amazing. This is this is what makes us sound pro. Are you ready? Music on this podcast was written by Jeremy Casella and performed by Indelible Grace. You can listen to more from Indelible Grace and Jeremy Casella by searching on Spotify or Apple Music. I don't even know if he makes me say that. I just like saying it. It's just, he did ask me to do that. You know, at least put it on the show notes, but I'm like, I just like saying it anyway. I'll just do it for free, Jeremy. And uh, yeah, so stay with us. We're back up and running. And uh, I know Nick's just ready to go. He wants to talk about the Francis Chan thing. So that's that's crazy. Oh, which um, I haven't even looked at properly yet, but it looks very interesting. And um, and then we've also got some just uh, some more random rum But what I want to do, Chris, is get us all together again at some point. Uh, let's. That was cool. I want to try especially with uh, you, me, and my brother. Uh, we had good mojo. It was good mojo.
1: Yeah, if you get if you two could just quit fighting.
0: <laughs> well, we don't fight. We just it's sibling rivalry. It's a different category. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, we can do whatever we want. <laughs> <laughs> there is a limit to our rivalry we have found that out as well we have to we have to know where that line is and um, so hopefully we don't find it on uh, on the internet live <laughs> cool thanks for joining me chris my pleasure and i'm gonna play out so just do some do, just fake this all right <laughs>